Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What's up, y'all? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of comic books that have come out this week. And we're going to kick it off with one that hits me right in the right spot. The Human Target, number one from DC Comics, what written by Tom fuck? King, art by Greg Smallwood. Now, as you probably figured out from the credits, this is the latest and greatest book from Tom King as he continues to deconstruct the icons of the DC universe. In this case, the Human Target, the guy who dresses up with other people and lets them shoot, get shot at. Uh, in this issue, the big twist here is that he is going to die in 12 days and he only has that time to figure out who murdered him. What did you guys think about this? And particularly in relationship to a lot of the other stuff that's been coming out from Tom King, from strange adventures to Rorschach and everything beyond. I think this is great. I mean, Tommy King is able to just find these uh, DC Comics characters that have an emo- an unmined emotional hook and just – he's like – I bet he has a list. I bet he has a spreadsheet where he's just got the – like, okay, let's do this one. Let's do this one. Let's do uh, – uh, let's do now Human Target, and here we are. Um, Working our way I, down I that spreadsheet. Great. I think it's great. What's who else is on that list? Is what my curiosity is because I mean this is very much like Strange Adventures. It 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 uh, has the Rorschach. It has that like let me get inside this character's head, find out what's fun funny about them, but also what is the sort of trauma, what is the emotional core that keeps them doing this. When you look at it, wildly ridiculous thing um, as their sort of life's work. Yeah, I mean, this is Tom King, Tom Kinging the shit out of this. Uh, I think it's, you know, uh, I think his writing style is unique and cool and pulls the reader in. You know, sometimes it gets a little sad, like in Vision, but like I, so far, this has been great. I, so far as the first issue, uh, yes, I agree. This is yeah, really good. Greg so Smallwood, far. <laughs> this is Greg Smallwood's art is really good. Uh, the layouts do seem very similar. Two Strange Adventures, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Tom King's characterization, as always, is very good. But I'll just throw this out there. There's a little part of me that is like, can we 
what what is going on with you, Tom King, in this particular era of DC comic book characters? Because we've already had him take down Wally West. We've had him take down Mister Miracle. We've had him take down Adam Strange. Now we're getting the Justice League International, and it's kind of like. I, I don't know. It's not it doesn't feel like he's hitting the same beat over and over yet because they're all unique stories, they're all unique focuses, they're all structured in very different ways, and they're all really smartly written. But there's something about it that repetitive is too strong, but I'm certainly starting to feel like <laughs> I, I I don't know how to describe this without it sounding stronger than I mean it. Like uh, the words that keep coming to mind are agenda and things, and that's definitely not what it is. So much as why this era, why keep drumming on this, why keep poking holes in these specific heroes? Why the well, Alps, man? Why the Alps, man? I think this <laughs> is it's because these these heroes and these characters are heroes. unpoked. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think these these characters, there is an emotional underbelly that I think is unexplored. And he's like, if you look at this, if you think about this, there's something to it. And I, I think we'll find that in this comic as well. There's something here. There's something to explore. Um, and he, I think he, he likes to take characters and just to, like turn them over, like turn over the rocks and see what's underneath mm-hmm. uh, and revealing stuff that we never thought was there. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about comics is finding out that there are bugs underneath the characters, you know, and you're like, I love finding bugs. What? Mm -hmm. If you, this is true, actually, they don't show the bottom of Batman's feet a lot, but if you turn them upside down, there's like those little pill bugs, like little round ones under there. They're gross. Yeah, it's Superman crawling with bed bugs. No one talks about it, but that guy is just a, a super spreader of bed bugs. Uh, uh, Absolutely true. But regardless, very well done book. Let's turn and talk about Newburn, number one from Image Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky and yes. Nadia Shamas, art by Jacob Phillips and Zaid Youssef Ayinob. This is. A book that we talked about a lot on our live show. We had Chip Zdarsky on to talk all about it. It's great. It's a great crime book. Super well drawn. Super well done. Very twisty. And we didn't touch on this much because I didn't really want to spoil any of the twists and turns. But the mystery that he lays out here is really good. Like the turn at the end is so smart. And I thought the structure was great. What did you guys think? Yeah, I mean, after talking to uh, Sudarsky, you can tell that the artist is the real driving force. No, I I think that this is just really unbelievable storytelling in uh, such an interesting way that, like, you have this character that you don't know if you like or not, but, man, is he taking care of business? So it's kind of hard not to be on his side. Uh, but yeah, the twists and turns and the the way that this kind of new character kind of goes about things is so intriguing. It pulls you into this kind of like a uh, uh, mob world kind of thing. Uh, I cannot wait for more. This is such a great first issue. Gives you just enough to kind of like be like, oh man, this could be huge. So I'm very excited for this. Yeah, we talked about this a lot on the live show, but like uh, a character with sort of fuzzy good guy versus bad guy intentions in a world where everyone's a little bit fuzzy. In a world. In a world is very fun. And um, the art is beautiful. Um, I said this also, like big Michael Clayton vibes, if you're a fan of that movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and just like crime, 
just general crime. Uh, if you're a fan of crime, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you're a, a criminal crime, looking for Michael a good Clayton, crime. the movie we've all seen and needs no description, either yeah. of those things, check it out. It's great though. Definitely check it out. Next up, my bad. Number one from Ahoy Comics, written by Mark Russell, Bryce Ingman, and Scott Morse, art by Peter Krause. This book is very purposely cheeky, like a lot of Ahoy Comics books, launching a new superhero universe that feels very similar to some previous superhero universes. I had a fun time reading this, as I do with most of Mark Russell's books, and I always really like Peter Krause's art quite a bit, but how did it strike you guys? Uh, I, yeah, this got kind of meta, but it's just so creative and fun. Like just the, the fun panels in between, like the old back of the magazine where you order stuff like the squirrel monkey and the starter jetpack, just great. Um, uh, yeah, this is, there's a lot of like winks and like, Hey, count gets real meta, but I, I still enjoy it. And, you know, you kind of get the title, you know it's going to happen, and it delivers. It delivers on it. <laughs> it delivers on your bad? Yeah. It, my bad is good? My good? Mm-hmm. Wow, my put good. It on the, put it on the trade. Um, this strikes me as like sort of an, a very like classic Archie double digest take on some superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like scenarios we've seen superheroes in with some with some fun jokes um surprising twists and turns a series of shorts like this is what mark russell first was doing when he got into the game and then he's gone into to doing some uh, different stuff uh more more satire more like like political satire or just like some straight superhero storytelling over in the, the fantastic four book he worked on um but this feels like a return to that original form, and I just want I want more comedy in comics. In yeah, good time, good time all around. Next up, the opposite of comedy, Dark Knights of Steel, number one from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Yasmin Putri. And I don't say that as a knock at all. This is just Tom Taylor, again, coming up with a dark take on a superhero universe. In this case, what if... And this is a twist right from the beginning of the issue. But what if Superman's parents landed in medieval times and gave birth to Superman then? And I don't mean the restaurant. I actually mean the actual time period. Changes. I know. If they landed in medieval times, they'd be like, one turkey leg, please. That's what they would say. But it's large beer (laughs) for me. This essentially plays out as Tom Taylor 1602 is what it sort of feels like here for the DC universe. Uh, what was your guys' take? Yes, um, I, that was the reference I was going to make as well. But let me say, I think 1602 was a little too cute um, with it, the Ooh. way the story was told, I feel like. Not to knock a book that is truly 15 years old, perhaps maybe <laughs> yeah. longer. Uh, which I did like, uh, but this feels a little bit more propulsive. It feels a little bit less in love with itself and just like, wow, wow. Pete having 16 or two on hand. Don't talk about at it. all times. Oh my goodness. Um, the, I, I, I like this a lot. And at the end reveal. Good. Were Very you good. just reading 1602 or was it random? What was going on? How is that so close to you, Pete? Uh, I always have 1602 ready. I feel like uh, I really love the art in this. Uh, I mean, we've seen Batman, uh, Superman, the origin story told so many times. Uh, But this is interesting. Um, You know, Green Arrow's cold as shit in this book. I mean, 
damn. Uh, but I, I feel like as a first issue, it did a great job of like kind of getting you sucked into this world. And, uh, I'm in, I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, how this kind of all unfolds. I was, I was already in it because of Tom Taylor, who can sure. do no wrong at this point, but the last two things that happened, which I won't spoil here, but one is a surprising twist for a character the second one is a very dark twist in terms of what happens. That made me Bobby. much more excited for the second issue. Let's jump over to Archie Comics with Chilling Adventures in Sorcery, number one, written by Elliot Rahal, Evan Stanley, Amy Chu, Pat, and Tim Kennedy, art by Vincenzo Federici, Evan Stanley, and Derek Charm, Pat, and Tim Kennedy. This is three short stories with a wraparound device of Madam Satan traveling to hell. There's some twists there. There's some dark, gross stuff that happened. Um, but it's just a, just a fun late Halloween special, even though it's happening in November. Uh, Pete, I know you're not a big fan of the Archie Scare. stuff, but there's some spooky, scary stuff that happens here. How'd you feel? You love yeah. horror. I, I, I uh, I don't love horror, but this was fun. I really liked this. Um, you know, love a good Jughead, uh, uh, you know, cheeseburger eating contest. I, I think this, you know, they did a good enough job with giving you kind of what you think with the title and then kind of having some other fun throughout. Uh, but the wraparound kind of kept things grounded and kind of kept things like, you know, this is what this is about. So I appreciate it. Yeah, I thought this was a great package. You, you get a lot, uh, a lot of bang with your buck here. Um, how did you feel about Jughead um, getting uh, really having a, an overeating and pay, paying a price for that? Did he pay a price, or was he living his best life? I don't know. He seemed <laughs> he was murdered at the end. Well, you know, he could live good. He got to eat well. One, one of my favorite want... things is at the end of Twilight Zone episodes where the characters say, "I'm living my best life." Yeah. <laughs> Every episode ended that Every way. Every episode. Right? It was so I mean, repetitive. He, I don't know if he died. He, you know, he got maybe eaten, but, you know, I don't know if he's dead. <laughs> Enter oh, Pete, a world I hate to... <laughs> where this character is living their best life. I like the idea, Pete, that you're like, yeah, just because you're eaten doesn't mean you're dead. That's right. You got to get digested. You got some Boba life Boba Fett got, got eaten time. by this Sarlacc pit, and he's it's just got a whole special a spinoff. Yeah. Let's kick it off December 29th. He's doing great. Yeah. I can't wait for my clam chowder lunch spinoff special on Disney Plus uh, <laughs> after it survived my personal Sarlacc pit. Wow. Um, got a little clam chowder, did you, buy? I got chowded today, and I yeah? really enjoyed it. Did you yeah, drive up to Baba? What happened? No, I drove over to my local Wegmans and bought a can of clam chowder. Oh, Weg Wegmans no. brand. Food you feel good about. Believe oh, me, God. I love a chowder in all its forms. Wow. Um, <laughs> anyway, are we... Wait, sorry. Is this the stack where we talk about different soups, or is this the <laughs> comic book stack? Next comic up, Minestrone. Ooh, good. like a good uh, Minestrone. Great, great art. Great pasta shapes. Uh, shouts to the artist. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anyway, talking about this comic, fun. Really, I was like, oh, I can't wait for more Sabrina, and um, I'm dying for Afterlife with Archie if we will ever in our lifetimes get more Ooh, of that. Yeah. Uh, because this definitely felt put me teases in the right it. headspace for that. It teases it. Teases yeah. me. I feel teased. Yes. Fun book, though. Next up, The Magic Order 2, number one from Image Comics, written by Mark Millar, art by Stuart Immonen. I'll tell you what. 
I was shocked that this was coming out. In case you don't remember, this was a big deal in the typical Mark Millar fashion, coming out as the first part of the deal with Netflix. It was a Netflix original comic book. It was supposed to be in development as a live-action series for Netflix. That never happened. And you may notice on the Magic Order 2 number one for Image Comics, there's no Netflix logo on there. So a lot of things have changed in the interim, including my memory of what happened to the first part of the Magic Order. But that all said, Stuart Eminen's art, Still great. Doesn't matter. He's great. Oh. So good. Uh, I agree with you. I did. Uh, I only vaguely remembered what happened in the first run of this comic. But I will say Mark, uh, Mark Millar, Mark Miller, his um, his comics are something where it's like occasionally I'm like hungry for a little nibble on this like <laughs> very like it's like eating um, like pork rinds or something where you're like. This isn't really good for me, but I crave it every now and again. <laughs> throw, it, throw it in your mouth, chew it up. And that's what this is like that opening sequence where it's like a bunch of uh, magicians and they're like, let's be bad. And they just kill, horrifyingly kill a bunch of random people. I'm like, Jesus, dude. And that's the, what his flavor is. And um, I, li- I did like this issue. I enjoyed reading this issue. He knows how to hit the sort of. Uh, points in parts of your brain that want this. Yeah. Uh, and and I will read more of this. Yeah, it's definitely over the top. It's very intense. Um, but there is some interesting kind of stuff happening. Um, yeah, I'm a sucker for magic and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, I thought this was, yeah. uh, you know, there was some uh, stuff I was like, meh. But overall, really liked it. And uh, we'll pick up the next issue. Because your your love of magic goes back to when um, you were a child and David Copperfield made you disappear famously. Uh, no, that was you. You oh, fucking nut. Right. Don't nut flex on me, bro. <laughs> that was me. I always forget. I always confuse me and you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next up, The Swamp Thing, number nine from DC Comics, written by Ram V, art by Mike Perkins. In this issue, we are finally out of the Suicide Squad crossover and instead focusing back on the Swamp Thing character. Now, I have a question for you guys. Here we go. In this issue, there's a guy who seems to have captured some old, decrepit body of a Swamp Thing or something like that. We don't exactly know. He seems to be wanting to use it for nefarious means and to lure our current Swamp Thing over there. And instead, he gets a creature not of the green but of the red who it's revealed or it's mentioned in this issue is this Swamp Thing's brother. Did we know that already? Did we know that that was his brother? Do we know he had a brother? Yes. We learned okay. about that I th- either last issue or the issue before that his brother. Okay. Was All right. I, I must have just forgotten that in the shuffle. But overall, as usual, Mike Perkins' art in particular is Fan-freaking-tastic in this yeah. book, particularly the battle sequences as the brother comes in are amazing to look at. Yeah, it's really interesting, yeah, you know, the the bro fight, you know. Um, but, yeah, it'll, it'll be... it'll be. <laughs> oh, you really went to a place there, Pete, for a second. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, sibling rivalries, a lot of sibling fighting, so it's nice to see it happening here. Our bro's just throwing it down. But, uh... Yeah, the art's the real hero here. I, I the story is is kind of uh, getting more and more interesting, and I'm getting more and more into it. 
Um, I really like this run. Uh, I, f- I don't know if it's a popular run or if people are reading it, but it is it is a good Swamp Thing run. Um, we're getting into touching on the world and uh, branching out into new territory while telling an emotional story with a brand new Swamp Thing character. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, like you said, the art is beautiful. Now, are you worried about the brother? Because, you know, you have a brother who some would say is cooler than you. Do you think that, like, this is going to be an issue in in Swamp Thing, where Swamp Thing's got to worry about his cooler brother, like, taking over his mantle? Well, my brother, as you know, is um, the avatar of the cool, and I'm the avatar of the lame. (laughs) So, uh, yes, we will do battle at some point. And uh, beware the world where the lame wins, (laughs) Pete. (laughs) <laughs> Next up, A Thing Called Truth, number one from Image Comics, written by Iolando Zanfardino, art by Alisa Ramboli. In this book, a doctor hits, well, scientist hits rock bottom and ends up in some interesting new circumstances. Pete, you love this book. Talk about it. Yeah, I think this is interesting. Like, we have this kind of, like, classic tale of a scientist working on something. How ethical is it? I don't know. I'm trying to do new things, uh, uh, you know, discover new uh, exciting uh, cures and uh, ways to save the Earth. But, oh, no, now, you know, a big corporation is going to take over my findings and I don't own anything, even though I did all the work. And what do I do? I go to a bar. Classic tale. We've all been there. But what is interesting is like kind of what happens after that and the partner that she gets and kind of the madness that ensues that's got me so excited about this. I also really like the title. Um, kind of chasing the truth of uh, of uh, this discovery. So uh, I think this has a, a lot of potential, and I think as a number one, they do a great job of setting up this world and uh, giving us just enough uh, kind of different takes on stories we heard before to kind of get you excited. Plus, jumping a bridge, whoo-hoo, that's, that's going to be some that's crazy next stuff. Level. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next level um, fun. When is a character in a book going to hit rock top? You know, mm-hmm. really just wow. like, really have a lot of, really have a It doesn't happen. Really, yeah. Concrete? Uh, Concrete, he kind of hit rock top a couple of times. Wow. That's it. <laughs> you proud of yourself for that? Those later issues. Nope. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, this is fun. Yeah, I don't know what the story is yet, uh, really. Just like fun uh, partying. So no, nope. well, and, and no, the I, other I, thing problems. probably important to mention, I believe this is a German book, or at the very least, it's a translation. So hmm. there was certainly a bit of it where I was reading it. I was like, what is the syntax that's going on here? This is weird. I think it's because of the translation. I, I agree with you. The I, cartooning. I, I also oh. think it's pronounced Hermann, not German. <laughs> All right. Moving oh, on. Pete, Arkham City. Pete having a laugh. <laughs> Pete having a laugh on that one. Arkham City, The Order of the World, number two from DC Comics, written by Dan Waters, art by Daddy. This is continuing the story of a breakout from Arkham Asylum. There is a doctor from Arkham Asylum who has teamed up with the Ten-Eyed Man. In this issue, we find out the Ten-Eyed Man seems to know a lot about a bunch of other escaped folks from Arkham Asylum. Man, the art in this alone... So good. 
So good in this the issue. The art's not alone. Alex, the art is not alone. There are words <laughs> paired with this art. I didn't read uh, any of the words because I was so focused on the art alone. You know? Um, art I, alone is worth picking it up. <laughs> this is one of my favorite books um, that DC's doing right now. Wow. I think this is great. I feel like there are so many. They've done this sort of like Arkham's loose. What, do we, what does that mean for Gotham City? A number of times. And... This one feels different, and I like the take. Like, it feels like we're actually getting the Arkham side of the characters, and we're mm-hmm. getting into some weirder stuff. I appreciate it. Um, the words alone are worth picking this up. <laughs> uh, I, I no, we would... don't say that enough. We don't say that enough. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's but, worth it for the staples alone. Nope. Yeah, great no, great staples. I don't know about it. I, I, I do think it's amazing. I art. read it digitally, though, just to mention, so I actually staple my computer screen each time. The That's a great thing to do. Expensive. Very, very smart. Uh, creepy characters, interesting story. Yeah, I agree with Justin. This is a lot of fun, and uh, I hope enough people are reading and enjoying it. Do you agree with me as well? N- never. I said I think it's worth it for the art alone. That's like a Pete phrase yeah it's like a thing you would say yeah but i didn't (laughs) (laughs) got me let me me throw this out you will at some point (laughs) this podcast (laughs) next up crossover number nine from image comics written by donny cakes art by jeff shaw and this issue our characters have all been captured by the organization that is policing comic book characters that have escaped from a dome. Oh, we man. get some big information and twists in this issue, as well as, of course, more cameos and things going on. Uh, this is the most inside baseball of inside oh, baseball comic book it titles. Like... But given that I know all this stuff, I'm having a blast reading it. It's, you know, worth it for the background characters alone i mean just the fun (laughs) of like looking around and seeing it's like kind of has this men in black thing where they're kind of walking through you know kind of the hub where all these uh characters are being kind of taken and uh uh, transitioned so like yeah just the the fun of looking at the panels is pretty amazing but it gets meta and it gets weird and uh yeah, and it's not stopping. It's turning up to 11, and then the kind of the last panel, you're just like, oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I think this is fun and crazy, and Kate's is really kind of delivering on the promise of this. Kate's. Um, yeah, this is a, it's a wild book. There, To your point, Alex, there's no other book like this on the stands, maybe ever, like a, a book that's this inside baseball and this, like, uh, really eating the comic book industry itself, uh, where a reveal that like you can only be a comic book fan and get the reveal in this issue, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, and the the uh, the bit about powers and like they dip into actual like Bendis speak at one yeah. point. But I gotta say, like it is fun. It's fun to sort of uh, be in the room where it happens and understand uh, the bits that are flying around. It's almost like a slightly more serious take on a what the, or something like that, you know? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It's like a what the as a series with like uh, some serious narrative intentions. Totally. But uh, I'm curious to see long-term whether Donnie has more to say about it. There's certainly a hint of that in this issue in terms of where he's going. Because right now, at least in this issue, it feels a lot like a fun lark 
that he's doing, but I do think there's more underpinning it. There's more pathos. There's more tie to the characters. So still an exciting read, even though it's often purposefully very ridiculous. Next up, Batman. I, I wonder if Scott's going to be pissed when he reads this, you know? I'm, I'm sure he will be. He'll be like, how dare you not tell me? No, yeah. I'm sure they read it by him. Uh, Batman number 116 from DC Comics, written by James Tynion IV, Becky Cloonan, and Michael W. Conrad, art by Jorge Jimenez and Jorge Corona. We are, this is the second to last issue of Fear State, and some big stuff goes down here. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I'll just put it out there. I'm not totally feeling this crossover right now. I was wow. You've been down on it. You've been down on it. Wow. I'm down on it. But I'm curious to hear you guys and your take and whether you're more into it than I am. I am more into it than you are. Like, I think this is big action figure storytelling. Yeah. Um, but in and introducing characters, throwing a ton of characters uh, into the toy box and shaking it up. And I think, as we've talked about in the past, it feels like you're a little bit frustrated by the sheer number of things that are happening all the time in this comic. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh... it feels a little chaotic, but I do think that's a little bit the point of it. This is uh, James Tynan's, like, big chaotic crossover that he is going to... He's This is his walk-off sort of big thing. So he's, he's out of here after this. So I do think he is throwing absolutely everything at the wall and I like it. I like the, the fear state story. I like the ideas at play here. And I just like the action that is happening. Pete, what about you? Yeah, this is getting huge. I mean, the unfolding of this and the also inclusion of these kind of like, gallery of other heroes and other people being involved. I mean, Batman is usually just kind of Batman going through it. And then every once in a while, he's like, Hey Robin, uh, I'm kind of miserable. And then like Robin helps him. And then it's like, it's solved. But this is really including a lot of different people. So it's interesting. And also it's getting bigger. I keep being like, okay, it's going to calm down and then we'll kind of solve these things and work through it. But it just, it keeps amping up and up and uh, it's getting crazy. See, uh, but- I'm the opposite way. I feel like it's actually getting smaller. If anything, that it's focusing down on this conflict where ultimately spoilers here, but Scarecrow seems undone pretty simply in this issue, and that we're turning to this mano-a-mano fight between Batman and Peacemaker is not as interesting to me as the city-wide threat of A, what Scarecrow is doing, and B, that seemingly Ivy destroying the city was part of his plan, both of which were getting undercut here. Um, and I guess part of it is maybe how it all ends up in the final issue, what the repercussions are, what the changes for Gotham City and Batman, what their statement is. So I'm happy to jump back on board at that point. But right now, I'm the opposite of you, Pete. I actually feel like it's getting a little too small and I want it to go bigger. Wow. You kind of talk. It sounded like me when I was talking about like the Joker Wars and how they just kind of glazed over that. And I wanted them to explore it more. Mm. Um, but uh, I I do think that uh, I I'm it just keeps adding, adding. And I'm really hoping the payoff is going to be worth all of this. 
Um, well, but I feel like the payoff's already begun. Like Scarecrow was undone sort of quickly in this issue, but it's been building up to it. They, they sort of cracked his code over the course of the last few issues. Yeah. And I would say, I would say, if you just cycle through this without rereading it and just look at the art, that stuff is really. It's like, like if you were to pay for this, like separate. Mm-hmm. If you could pay for the separate, yeah, uh, art by itself. Wow. Like it, well, it would be worth it, you would think? Yeah, I guess. I don't know if there's a shorter way of saying that. Oh, okay. Um, also, I want to talk about the backup. It's great. And that, uh, you know, spoiler, but that uh, Batgirl hug was very touching. Agreed. Next up, Radiant Black, number nine from Image Comics, written by Kyle Higgins, art by Eduardo Ferragato. Very emotional issue of Radiant Black as our de facto hero, deals with the fact that the guy who was chosen for this Radiant Black shoot is still in a coma and what exactly he's oh. going to do about this. There's, uh, not to give it too much credit, but a brilliant story device, I think, here, where it fl- continually flashes forward in time mm-hmm. so we get what could have been 10 to 15 different issues of Radiant Black, and, but instead of having to watch our hero try and fail and figure it out and fight all these different heroes. It just zips past that part. So we get that emotional development. We get him coming to the end of his rope by the end of the issue. So we really feel it. I, I loved this issue. I thought this was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's good. I mean, this comic is doing such a great job of being a modern Mm Spider-Man really like taking the sort of like, uh, with like Uncle Ben's death uh, being replaced in this by um, his friend's uh, coma, coma, yeah. and we get the, the big emotional moments here based around that. Uh, that feels like it's going to become a formative thing going forward from here. When we maybe we didn't have that going into it, and just the like, uh, we get to see sort of his life and how it sucks in the same way that back in the day it was like Spider Man's life sucks, and he, <laughs> this is his escape. Uh yeah, I mean, I, I, this continues to be really impressive as a comic. Like all the different turns this is taking. Like every time we think we got a handle on this, it keeps uh, uh, changing and improving and getting deeper and better, which is phenomenal. But then I was a little let down by I feel like a little bit of a sellout moment where big bath bombs. You really kind of just took a hold of this comic and we just became a commercial for bath bombs. I mean, I love a good bath bomb. You know, as much as the next person, but you know, I you're feel always like, you know, posting those bath selfies on Instagram, right? Uh, no, no. Okay, I don't know what you love a soak Instagram you're checking out, but that is not me in a bath. So I don't no, know. it's Pete Pete soaks Pete soaks Instagram. <laughs> Pete soaks you're not, on Instagram that's not now. you. No, that's, that's not you. Me. It's your. It it's looks you, like you. It's you in a bathtub. <laughs> yeah. That's not me. The Instagram me. stories are a lot of fun. Yeah, in particular. Right. It's you like different like soaps and bath bombs and stuff that you're getting in you right like really you thanked sponsors just last week and you yeah. had a hashtag ad I remember that <laughs> and huh. at the end you're like you're like check out comic book club check out the stack you really <laughs> well, talk about nice. how, yeah and you ended it by saying just to be clear I'm Pete LePage <laughs> who lives in Pennsylvania now wow yeah. It is it's a weird sign specific. off. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, well, you can take a bath anywhere. It doesn't need to yeah. be offensive. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then you said thanks, everybody, in case my co-host Justin and Alex uh, try to say anything about this. Uh, this is true. Wow. Yeah. You did say this is true over and over again as well. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, that sounds like something I would do. Absolutely. Anyway, check out check Pete it out Soaks. at Pete Soaks on Instagram. Dirtbag Rapture number two from Dark Horse Comics, written by Christopher Sabella, art by Kendall Good. The idea of this book is there is a woman who has a ghost hotel in her head. There is a specific ghost who has kind of hijacked her whole deal and revealed that there's a world of angels and demons. We get a lot more information about that in this issue. Pete, I know this was one of your favorite books with issue one. What'd you think about issue two? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's the classic tale that we've heard so many times, the story about somebody who has a ghost hotel in their head and how they deal with the different ghosts that live there. Uh, No, I, I really love this setup. I think it's so creative and so, uh, really cool. Uh, the only thing I'm a little worried about is our main character. Hopefully, we'll start to become a better person and start listening to the ghosts that live at this hotel inside of her head because uh, she's in trouble. She's in serious trouble and she needs some help. Um, but yeah, I I'm excited for this. This continues to be such a creative, fun, uh, unique book uh, that it. Yeah, I think it's really delivering. As someone who's been running a ghost motel in his head for a while, I feel guilty. I should really renovate. Yeah, you should. I've actually been running a ghost B&B. We only have about four rooms. Your reviews are horrible, by the way. (laughs) They're terrible. (laughs) And I don't know why. Just because we say no breakfast. Yeah, Yeah, everyone wants breakfast. breakfast. People love breakfast. I mean, put out some Pop-Tarts or something. I mean, come on. I don't yeah, that's what everybody wants. That. This guy wouldn't even put out some Pop-Tarts. Yeah, That's like, all I needed. A, yeah, yeah, just give me something. Put out some Pop-Tarts, <laughs> a phrase I've never said before. Uh, I like this book a lot. It is, um, it's wildly creative, um, and the, the sort of central conflict feels like it's shifting all the time. It's like... Angels versus devils. And in this issue, it's like, they're all just random ghosts who believe, (laughs) some of them believe they're angels and some of them believe they're devils. I was like, okay. Um, And there's a lot of like uh, back and forth about who's helping who, who's the worst demon. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I do think the the central character is really fun and original. And I like the, um, I feel like the ghosts are going to continue to be a bigger presence. Next up, Frontiersman, number two from Image Comics, written by Patrick Kinlan, art by Marco Ferrari. We had the team on our live show a couple of weeks back and really enjoyed the first issue of this book, which introduced a whole new superhero universe, all centered around a guy who was trying to protect a big tree. We get some riffs on that in this issue. How do you think the second issue followed up? I I think it's a it delivers it's it's very creative very interesting um you know you get kind of like like these shots of this evil kind of like a uh, supervillain overseeing this but also it's like a cat so it's very creative and different this gets uh, a little meta and a little crazy in this book but and ask a lot of interesting questions of the character and what's going on. And, you know, the common ground that they kind of find by the end of this is interesting. I, 
I did not, I, after the first issue, I did not think this is where the second issue was going, but I am uh, no. pleasantly surprised. This is very creative, very interesting. Um, yeah, the art style and the paneling and the just kind of like the way it gets uh, tripped out uh, is really enjoyable and very fun. Um, yeah, this this book is written very confidently. Like yeah. the it's written in a comic universe that no one else has seen before, but it's written as if that universe has been going on for like quite some time. So I appreciate that, and and uh, yeah, the trippy stuff and sort of the uh, the almost Watchmen esque um, confrontation these two heroes have, uh, or this hero and and villain have, are um, really fun. I'm curious to see what comes next because it really could yeah. go anywhere. Next up, Amazing Fantasy number four from Marvel, written by Kare Kyle Andrews, is the second to last issue of this book, which finds Spider-Man, Captain America, Black Widow, and a bunch of other characters in a very weird, very deadly fantasy land after they've died. And this issue has some big twists for Uncle Ben, in particular, not the rice, but the character. Oh, come on, Pete. man. How'd you feel about this? You doing okay? No. No, uh, this book weird. This yeah. book weird. This book weird is a great tagline, and I stand behind it. Oh, nothing else to say. <laughs> okay, Full Justin, stop. do you want to talk about this one? Um, yeah, I mean, I really like Kari Kyle Andrews' stuff, um, especially when it gets it gets weird. But this one feels a little bit. I'm still not. Qu- I feel like I don't quite have my hands on the central premise. It's sort of like these characters died in different time periods, went to this mm-hmm. fantastical world right, where right. you, if you die again, you become like a monster. But if you don't die again, that's okay. You're fine. Um, and uncle Ben um, is there and he sort of is orchestrating this cause he wants revenge on Peter for killing him. Sort of. I like that idea of Uncle Ben being mad and wanting revenge. But the way this plays out, I'm like, it's just the fantastical parts. Don't, I don't have a a handle on them enough to be rooting for the the heroes to figure Mm -hmm. to get through it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That said, some of the images are so fantastic. There's a thing with like a baby storm locked into this machine who's using Captain America's shield to power it. I don't know why the machine is there or exactly what it's doing, but it looks Awesome. Looks great. Like almost, the idea. I would almost say, like, pick up this book based on the drawings that Kare Kyle Andrews has done, and that would make the book worth it for the amount of money that you put out there. Yeah, I I, I do think that the the kind of like fight sequences, especially like the uh, Spider Man stuff, is really bananas. Uh, yeah, I mean, character wise and creative wise, it the the art really delivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would uh, anything you want to say about that, Pete? I, I just think if you love art, you should pick up this book. <laughs> if you love art, <laughs> yeah, so frustrating. And if you love bananas, <laughs> <laughs> the silver coin number six from Image Comics by Joshua Williamson, Chris Hampton, art by Michael Walsh and Gavin Fullerton. Another one-off issue of this horror anthology in this one we're meeting a video game player who was bullied at the video game arcade finds the silver coin of the title and things get real horrifying real quick i'll tell you what this is maybe my favorite issue of this book so far i thought this was what so bloody so gross and so good loved it loved it 
Pete, I agree. I, I can't I believe you didn't season. love it. I thought this yeah, was going to be is... right up your alley. I thought well, could be... here's the thing. It's a little too close to home. This was a little mm-hmm. too close to certain parts of my childhood <laughs> and certain things uh, that I've done in my life. Uh, yeah, you were found a, you that were... evil coin when you were 10, right? Well, that's the thing. I would have loved an evil coin because... Well, it, it, I was just see, popping you, coins and coins and coins, and you know, you like, wanted an evil one. Yeah, and I you were a playable one. You were a playable character in Mortal Kombat for a while, right? <laughs> for a, for way too long, <laughs> way too long. Once you get stuck in a Mortal Kombat game, it is hard to get out, guys. I what loved what your... I would. I I, I, I know actually because I played as Pete a lot. Uh, uh, Pete yeah. versus Scorpion, and, and yeah. Scorpion would be like, "Get over here!" Mm-hmm. And then Pete would be like. It's worth it for the art alone. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing though was Pete's babality, but we don't need to get into yeah, that. Yeah, oh god, you that. would no. make it stupid. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Pete. that's not nice. Yeah. Well, you know, at at the nice. start of the game, instead of it saying "ready," it just says "come out." <laughs> Come out uh, all day or day. That's a fair amount of self knowledge there, uh, Justin. You talk about this one then. I love this book. This book is uh, no, there are not a lot of books on the stands that are harsher to their main characters that we're rooting for than this, this anthology comic book series. Um, And it's bloody. It's really well drawn. The stories are not just regular horror. It's horror where nobody wins in the end. Um, All six issues, I feel like. And this one carries it on, and it feels like a certain nostalgia for the arcade lifestyle that only a certain group of people have lived. Um, This is a fun book, fun issue. Pete, what did you think about the fact that Spawn was in this issue? Yeah, that was cool. Spawn. uh, uh, Also, I, I just noticed Eastville Mall... Uh, kind of a, you know, that's a, cause my, uh, mall was East view mall. So that's, uh, wow. That's very close. Um, but yeah, like I, I can't even t- like waiting for the maintenance guy to come fix the machine that you are, are playing. I, you know, there's just a lot. The bullying was real in the arcade back in the day. This, this was a lot, uh, brought up a lot of different things. Uh, but yeah, the, the darkness of this, was insane. The violence is insane. Like some of these are more artistic than violent. And this issue was just straight up fucking over the top. Mm. It's interesting that you related to it that way. I was kind of more on the other side. I had more of a Wreck-It Ralph type upbringing where Mm. I I grew up in a game. Oh, wow. Nice. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, Your parents uh, pushed you into the coin slot. (laughs) A a video game when you were. Mm -hmm. When I was little. Yeah. And, And then I was like, it's a me. Uh, last oh, flight wow. out, number three from Dark Horse Comics, written by Mark Guggenheim, art by Eduardo Ferragato. <laughs> this issue, we're continuing the story of the uh, end of the world through climate death. There is a father who's trying to track down his daughter. Turns out, last issue, she doesn't want to be tracked down. She wants to stay on Earth, even though they're evacuating it. Find out why this issue and exactly what's been going on. There's some big twists. Uh, This is straight up an action movie in comic book form, down to just barreling past plot points as quickly as possible. It feels like... I mean, uh, I don't say this even necessarily with a slight, because I'm enjoying it, but I don't know if this is like 
a comic book pitch that he's putting, uh, sorry, a TV pitch that he's putting in comic book form or a movie pitch or exactly what's going on here. But it's one of those things. It does. It feels like a movie pitch that has been turned into a comic book, if I had to guess, um, because I think you're right. It definitely has that big scene moments, um, even beyond a TV show where it's like a series of small scenes connected to them. It's like a couple little small scenes. It's like this is the scene for this uh, set piece area of the script. Um, but it is good. I, I like this book. It's fun. The characters um, we uh, get introduced to a character here and sort of see how his story plays into the main story. And uh, I I like it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with one of the characters kind of losing it, being like, the fuck, man? Like, people died, and this is all about, like, your family drama, and, like, your daughter seems fine, and, like, why are we all here? Um, So I I think it's, it's interesting kind of setup. I'm interested to see, like, how it delivers on everything, um, but yeah, I think, uh, as far as a, a comic story, it, it's creative, it's fun. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it and, uh, I'm looking forward to more. Next up, Primordial number two from Image Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Andrea Sorrentino. This is continuing a very weird, very wild adventure focusing on the first animals in space and what really happened to them. I would say... Even though the story is really intriguing and I'm not 100% sure what's happening, Andrea Sorrentino's art is kind of where it's at. And the way that the styles are flipped from one to another really make this the sort of book that I would pay money for in a comic book store and buy. Um, Mm. This is interesting because it's it's almost I wonder if just the fame of Pizza Dog is kind of bled into other ideas where they're like, okay, what if it's Pizza Dog but in space and we find out what really happens to animals? I I love first off the art and the creativity. I agree with, uh, with Alex is really impressive. We kind of get a no, not a lot of water balloons. It's mainly just the art and the storytelling and the paneling kind of moving us through time and space here, which is very cool and very creative. I think also very tripped out in all the right ways. Um, but I just, I just reading, I was like, does this happen without pizza dog or, or, or not? Uh, but I think it's it's a very creative, cool take. So why not? Just to check. You know, this is dogs. a this is a real dog that went into space. Yeah, I know. Okay, all right. There were dogs before pizza. Lucky, dog, I guess. Lucky, just, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Is Lucky did not go into space. Yeah, I'm uh, aware. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying we dedicated a whole issue, you know, to Pizza Dog, and it was like this POV kind of thing that is similar to this book. It's a POB from the dog's perspective, you know, in yeah. space. Pizza dog went to pizza, and this dog and Leica went to space. Right. I'm it sorry if that me. was too wild the concept, Alex, <laughs> that you were just like, fuck you, I don't... But uh, no, yeah, those, those ideas are, it's a one-to-one. Um, this book feels almost like an art uh, art book, art jam, uh, because there's there's very little story so mm-hmm. far. We get a little bit of this this guy sort of investigating what's going on with these animals in space. Um, so I'm curious when that'll sort of snap Pigs together. In space. Pigs in space. That's what I was thinking. Didn't say it. Uh, but in the meantime, it definitely feels like it's about that just visual visual washing over you. 
Next up, Lucky Devil, number four from Dark Horse Comics, written by Cutlin Bunn, art by Fran Galan. In this issue, our main character, who has the powers of a demon but is not possessed by a demon, decides to go to hell to find out what he can do about it and how he can get some demonic bounty hunters off of his tail. Uh, another good issue of this book. I, I, like we talked about, the first issue was a little bit of rough going just in terms of jamming expedition in there. But now that we're into the run of it, I'm really enjoying it. And it seems like maybe it wraps up here. Maybe this is the end, but I'm not 100% sure. I don't think it's the end. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but no, I, I, I think the, the, the art, uh, the, the, just the kind of like character design. I love the little kind of devil that's on the the good guy team here, and just like what a, an idea! Like if you you need a ride to hell, and the creepy ice cream truck shows up, like oh my god, that's straight out of my nightmares. But I really think that the the art and the character design are just phenomenal in this book. Uh, this continues to be kind of like tripped out and crazy. Um, but yeah, the facial stuff with the characters and it's just really cool art and character design. And I'm really enjoying the ramp ramping up of this. Um, and I'm excited to see like how this kind of like how he gets out of this, because as we all know, making deals with devils is never a good idea. And they usually don't hold up unless you're Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, this is fun. Uh, I, I I like the way – this almost feels like a reset uh, of, like, this is the team. This is how it's going to go forward. To your point, Alex, like, I think there is more. This is almost like the preamble uh, to me. Well, I, I just looked it up. This is a four-issue miniseries, so this is the end of it. But I assume if it sells enough, maybe they'd come back yeah. to this world because, like you're saying, there's definitely more story to tell. Next up, The Me You Love in the Dark, number four from Image Comics, written by Scotty Young, art by Jorge Corona. And this issue, our uh, artist and the ghost demon creature she's banging in her house kind of reach a little bit of a breaking point in the relationship. Things do not go very well by the end. This series is so effectively channeling horror. Yeah. It's great. I, I really like this as well. It's spare. Um, it's very much like this is the story. The dread you're feeling is what I want, what we want this to be about. And it hits it so hard uh, throughout. Yeah, I it's just this thing of uh, I don't I don't you know, I want this woman to be happy. Um, and I'm worried about her mental state and what's going on. It's not going well. It's not going well. But I I also uh, really want it to be worth it for her. You know, like these paintings that she's turning out are uh, hopefully like going to uh, do well for her life or whatever. But man, it is just, you know, you start out, everything's great. Your demon that you're dating is, you know, uh, fueling all your creativity. But, you know, and, uh, and then it just, you know, gets weird, you know, and I don't know who, if we're pulling for them to work it out or what's going on, but, uh, I yeah, don't this... think we're pulling for them to work it out. It feels like this entity is feeding on her in some way and just not to hit the same note I hit before, but 
we talk a lot about on the show how hard it is to do horror and comic books because it's a still page. But yeah. particularly at the end here, they so effectively channeled the, no, he's right behind you. Yeah, he's right, yeah. turn yeah. around, he's right behind you moment, which is so difficult to do uh, in comic yeah. books, but they crushed it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, great stuff. Last but not least, Orphan and the Five Beasts, number three from Dark Horse Comics, art by James Stokoe. In this issue, we are tracking down another one of the bandits that our main hero is trying to defeat. He has a whole crew behind him, but they come to a town that has some delicious meat. What is going on with that meat? Well, there's a twist there, which is super smart, and you probably won't see coming, but is as gross and <laughs> insanely over the top as anything we've come to expect from this book. I, I love this. I love reading this book. It's so beautifully drawn. It's great. This book's wild. You won't see more eyes popping out of heads in a comic <laughs> than this one. Everyone's stressed. It's Yeah, this is just a real fun uh, you know, great art, great character design, and creepy enough in all the right places. Yeah, I think this is just uh, just a fun fun issue. I I think this is like overall the art that, uh, that they're telling is great, uh, and it's fun to kind of see them stop the adventure for this issue to kind of explore this town. And, uh, you know, two rival meat places, you know, like, where do you go? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I mean, classic. you live in Philadelphia, so this yeah. has got to be like a really right over the plate for you, right over yeah. the garbage plate. Oh, boy. I see what you did there. If you like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Coming out, we would love to chat with you about garbage plates or comic books or whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> Honestly, it's a bunch of nonsense most of the time. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the <laughs> app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop. It's worth it for the price alone. Fatality. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.